I once asked another chiropractor, Dr. John Bergman, how do you know who's a good chiropractor? And he suggested things like, we well, could ask some questions like, do you work on newborn babies? Do you do post-operative work? You know, because people ask me all the time, how do I, how do I, how do I decide who, whether I should go to um, an osteopath or a chiropractor? And then how can I tell in advance if they're any good? Have you got some fantastic questions that people could ask? Your testing questions, you know, like you might a dentist. Do you put mercury in baby's teeth? You know, simple questions like that. Yeah, I think it's very simple. There's a few concepts I think that are. This is a great question. No one's ever asked me this. I think it's a great, great opportunity to answer what what was important to me. So, for example, I actually have this appreciation as a chiropractor, and I did not have this viewpoint my entire life. I was actually taking the MCATs, getting ready to go to med school when medical doctors I was working with, with issues with my own children were starting to upset me and they were lying to me. And then they were gaslighting me, seriously telling me that anything going on with my kids was my fault. It was the weirdest thing ever. And then they would say the drugs didn't call your, cause your son to have a seizure in 20 seconds after giving it to him. What did you do, Dr. Artis? Did you shake your baby or drop your baby? This is the crap I was putting up with. I started to realize, man, a lot of this profession is either scared to death to admit, maybe for a second, that a medication I prescribed caused some harm, but you never even reached out to say, here, this is how we can help you anyway. Here, please come. We didn't expect that outcome, but come to the office, come to the ER, we'll help you. No, there was none of that. It was just blaming me and then screaming at me and yelling at me and telling me it had nothing to do with them. So I realized uh, they obviously don't care about the, the people I was working with. They don't care genuinely about me. They they're just wanting to avoid any suggestion they're responsible for harm. Like it, beyond all things, that was number one in the multiple medical doctors I dealt with, the fear of being sued outweighed the love and compassion for me as a patient or my child. And that just got really disgusting to me. So I was raised with the same vaccinate your children, vaccinate yourself your entire life, surgeries, drugs are our medicine. That is healthcare. That's what I was raised in a home just like that. I never even knew what chiropractic was until I was 25 years old and had a one-year-old who happened to be adjusted by a chiropractor as I was getting what I thought was physical therapy in a, in a, in a rehab center. I didn't know the guy. I thought the physical therapist was just a physical therapist. I didn't know he was a chiropractor. He actually took my screaming, crying baby of a year that never stopped crying and didn't have a bowel movement on his own for that whole period, threw up everything he ate and determined within a like five second period, he goes, will you please put your baby on the table? Something's wrong with your baby, he's hurt. Touches his neck real lightly, makes an adjustment within like 30 seconds, not a joke within five minutes, every single symptom he struggled with for almost a year disappeared in five minutes with one adjustment to a vertebrae, a bone in his upper neck at the base of his skull that was out of alignment as a result of forceps being used when he was born. So I just want you to know, I had all the medical mindset at this point. It wasn't until a chiropractor adjusted my son that $39,000 worth of medical tests that were paid by insurance for this year for this kid, no results, no diagnosis, no prognosis, other than me being told this is just my son and he's normal this way. This is how it's going to be. It was just awful only to have a chiropractor adjust my kid and, and in five minutes, all of his symptoms disappeared, all of them. Never again did he 
have to have my little finger go up his rear end with a lubricant to make him have a bowel movement, which was every single bowel movement. He threw up everything he ate. He never slept for more than 15 minutes at a time the entire life. 15 minutes at a time, I had to hold him tight to my body. When I would fall asleep, it would move him. His head would drop, and then he would start screaming again. Uh, We didn't know that it was a misalignment caused by the intense pressure on pulling his head from the vaginal canal at birth with the forceps that had so much pressure, Clive, that cut his ears, and he was bleeding right when I first held him, and he had black and blue bruises on the side of his head for a month. That's how hard they squeezed his head. So I'm going to tell you some of the things that I look for, too, and what I want to know about a chiropractor. For example, every single child after that, I have five. Four of them, I had a chiropractor, if it wasn't me, by the time I graduated chiropractic school. The next four, I had a chiropractor in the room when the baby was born. And they adjusted the baby, or I adjusted the baby, before it left to the nursery. Like, I didn't even let them leave the room. The baby comes out, I have to adjust the baby. I learned to be certified in pediatric chiropractics, which includes infants, newborns, toddlers, you name it. It is extremely beneficial to have that done. So for me, it is very important. When I actually opened up my chiropractic practice, I had three kids at the time when I graduated chiropractic school. I called every chiropractor in my county. Not a joke. This is when I say, what kind of questions do you want to ask your chiropractors? I was asking the chiropractors that were working in my town. I called them all and I said, did you all vaccinate your children to get them into public school? And they all said, yes, we couldn't find a loophole or a way to get around it. I couldn't believe it. Uh, they all had children that were already in college. And so I was like, wait a minute, all your kids were vaccinated all the way through public school, all the way to the university? Yes, we couldn't find the loophole. Well, all I did was actually go to a conference in Nashville, Tennessee, and a mom who also happened to be a chiropractor practicing, she stands up in the middle of a conference when Dr. Dr. Dobbins, who was doing a presentation for Standard Process at this convention, he asked the question, he's from California. He goes, uh, what's the laws in Tennessee for exemptions for vaccinations for children? And every single of the 200 doctors there, every single one of them raised their hands and said, there is no exemptions for vaccinations in Tennessee. The one mom behind me stands up and goes, that's not true. Uh, None of my children who are now in universities have ever had a vaccine and none were ever vaccinated and all went to public school. And so I looked at her and I said, uh, Okay, I'll talk to you out in the hallway in, a, in the next break. And it was two days later is when my son was starting kindergarten for the first time. So I, I was so excited to figure this out. So I go out there and I found out that at, the, at every single county, there's a United States Health Department. She's like, all you got to do is go down to the health department and they have a green form. Just ask for the green form and they will sign it. You sign it. And uh, it actually is an exemption uh, based on consciousness or religious belief that you don't want to have your children vaccinated and you just go give it to the school. I've done that every year for each of her kids all the way to universities. And just so you know, I have five children, four of them are adults now. None of them ever got a shot. All of them went to public school and they're in universities and still have never gotten a shot. One of the things that would be very important to me is I would want to know for my chiropractor, what's your viewpoint on childhood vaccines and vaccines in general? That is a huge thing. And then I would ask them, do you adjust people after they've had surgery, do you believe that post-surgical adjustments, you can do that for patients? There's not a single post-surgical patient that had a spinal surgery that I didn't adjust. 
there are ways to help these people. And if those chiropractors haven't taken the steps to learn how to take care of infants, newborns, haven't seen the benefit of chiropractic or can't convey that to you, that they believe chiropractic at every stage of your life is critical, beneficial, and efficacious. I would ask about infancy, elderly, and there's different techniques of how to actually adjust those kids at those ages. So I would want to make sure they're, they're, they're actually open and are trained, or at least opened and aware and have faith in maybe even other chiropractors who might have the specialty in newborn adjustments or pediatrics. Not every chiropractor wants to adjust babies or work with babies or work with a pediatric age range. That's fine. But as long as they are aware and say, yes, I'm absolutely convinced that every child when they're born needs to be adjusted as soon as they're born. Great. They should have that viewpoint. Uh, do you vaccinate your children or do you vaccinate children in general? Do you only see vaccinated children? Do you actually encourage people to vaccinate your children? If they say yes, I'd walk away from that person in a heartbeat. I mean, I would. I would just walk away and say, I'm looking for someone who has more faith in God's natural immunity than in science and drugs and uh, pharmaceutical science. That's what I would do. I would put my faith in God's creation over man's science creation all day long. That's who I'd be looking for as a wellness practitioner to take care of me and my family. So those are a couple of the basics. Yeah, well, no, all very good points. And if somebody didn't know whether they should go to a chiropractor or an osteopath, what, what would you, what would guide them one way or the other? Yeah, that's great. So osteopaths, actually, from the very beginning, osteopaths and medical doctors and chiropractors, there's only one thing that's different, really, for an osteopath and chiropractors. Osteopaths happen to be trained also and have a license to prescribe drugs. The only problem I have with osteopathic medicine is their governing board. So the governing board was washed away and is now the American Medical Association board. So the medical board oversees the medical doctors, licenses, MDs, and they oversee DOs, which are doctors of osteopathic medicine. And it is very obvious that over the last 50 years that the American medical boards are the governorship of DOs or osteopathic uh, practitioners. They are slowly taking away the majority of the education in the life science providing benefits of chiropractic adjustments or osteopathic adjustments, as they call it. And it is still they're chipping away at their belief system in the natural immunity and putting more and more faith in prescription drugs and restricting their education, their training in osteopathic adjustments and substituting that with more and more pharmaceutical education. And uh, it's slowly what they're doing now. This isn't a joke, but the American Medical Associations of the United States have tried for the last 25 years with the chiropractic profession because I get their letters trying to convince us that it is of benefit for us when they decided this about 20 years ago we're going to now allow chiropractors to have a nursing license or a nursing certificate nurse practitioner certificate and they can now prescribe drugs this was like the way you can take a hundred hour course and we'll let you start prescribing drugs and man, if, if any of the chiropractors I knew were jumping on board on that one, I would have been super disappointed, never would have referred anybody to them. I would have just educated people, just stay on the wellness side of chiropractic, stop going to the drugs. But there is a, a massive attempt like the New World Order and the New World Religion 
and the new world digital currency. There's this attempt to create organizations that are going to govern all men and women on the earth in all countries. The American Medical Associations, the, the pharmaceutical industry and giants, they are trying to get all healthcare practitioners to be prescribing their drugs. They, they think that's going to be a bribe that's going to get them to say, you know what, maybe it is a good idea that I can be more like the medical profession. Maybe I should do that. Uh, well, no, I appreciate the differences between healthcare practitioners. <laughs> Stay on the wellness side, keep those on the other side. But that is really the difference. Osteopaths are really great at adjusting for those who actually took it on themselves to actually learn more and more and more and actually exercise that clinical uh, modality to adjust people. There are some, but they're not very many. In fact, I can't even tell you one osteopath, and I know many of them, who have ever even talked to me about adjusting people as a benefit. <laughs> I've never even heard it come up. I know they can do it. I just don't ever hear them talk about it. Okay, actually, there's one. I correct myself. I've heard one talk about it publicly, and that's Dr. Sherry Tempany. And I asked her one day, I said, outside of vaccines, what's your, she's an osteopath. I said, Dr. Sherry Tempany, what is your favorite thing to do? If you didn't have to do anything else the rest of your life in practice, what's the one thing you would do? And you know what she said? I love osteopathic adjustments to the skull bones of infants, like to reshape and reset the alignment of the bones of the skull that collapse and overlap each other in the birthing process. She gets a kick and just loves it. It's her favorite thing in the world. She says, it's super easy. Instead of wearing these, you see these kids with helmets on their head, trying to reshape their head. She's like, in five minutes, I could take any baby and realign their, their skull bones just with gentle touch. No cracking noises, no real uh, quick thrashing of an adjustment or with your hand movements. Just very gentle movements because all those bones are just floating when they're an infant. So you just, re you just move them. She's like, five minutes, I can actually reshape anybody who said most, most visits was two visits to my clinic to do that. She's like, if I could spend the rest of my life manipulating children's cranial bones to realign them after birth, she goes, nothing brings me more joy than that. I would, I would, do, I would spend the rest of my life doing that. So we did a whole show on that in my studio about a year and a half ago to educate people on that potential to try to keep people aware that when they're using forceps vacuum extractions on babies in their birthing process, it messes up the alignment of the head. It also messes it up if you just do a C-section and avoid vaginal births. The collapse of the the actual collapse of the cranial bones, as you come through the vaginal canal to fit, the moment the baby comes out, they actually plop back into position. It's called a blowout. The bones blow out and then they start pulsing. It's called a circadian rhythm to pump cerebral spinal fluid down the spinal cord. You lose that and it never happens when you cut them directly out of the body with a C-section, regardless if you attach a vacuum suction cup to their head to pull them out or forceps to pull them out, which is what they do. So that blowout, even when they come through the vaginal canal, if there's forceps, salad tongs just waiting there on the other end and you grab it and pull it out, that blowout and that setting of the circadian rhythm uh, never happens, unfortunately, and that misalignment remains. And I cannot tell you how many children I've dealt with in their adolescence, where they actually struggled with ADD, ADHD, uh, focus, and uh, or even alignment of their eyes visually. You'll see these kids wearing uh, patches over one eye to try to strengthen one eye. I cannot tell you how many children have had issues, just like I just mentioned, that was solely from the misalignment of their cranial bones 
from birth. This is why I think it's so vital you have somebody there to make sure your child in the first few days of life, if not the first few minutes, the benefit to adjust them and align them. How traumatic would it be now that you're thinking about it? We don't think about it when we're born, but how traumatic is it to squeeze through a hole about this big? You know, squeeze your whole body, a baby, through the hole at that size. It's going to mess up the alignment of the neck, the cranial bones, your spinal column. And it's very, very important, I believe, to make sure those people are adjusted. Now, outside of that, let's talk about another question for chiropractors. Uh, I would like to ask any chiropractor also, do you actually work with extremities? Like if someone has an ankle problem, knee problem, hip problem, elbow problem, shoulder problem, wrist problem, do you also adjust those? Because that's not typically a part of the routine education we get in chiropractic school. It's the head, the, the skull, and then the 33 vertebrae down to the base of your sacrum and your tailbone. That's usually what you get. But there are docs and there are techniques in the school provided where you can actually learn how to manipulate and adjust and relieve symptoms neurologically in the wrists, the hands, the elbows, the shoulders, your knees and ankles. I actually, I actually learned, <laughs> I didn't know how great this was going to be, but to learn how to adjust knees, and I'll give it a, a simple one. If you haven't, if you've never studied this, or there's people watching this or thinking about becoming a chiropractor one day or wanting to learn for individuals who want to know if a chiropractor has gone beyond what they learned in school, ask them if they know the charrette protocol, C-H-A-R-R-E-T-T-E. -E. Dr. Charette goes around the world educating chiropractors on how to successfully adjust every single bone in your extremities, arms, legs, feet, you name it. And he learned them from techniques from Russian bone setters. So these were healers, not particularly called chiropractors, but they actually moved bones to actually help heal the body. So it looks and sounds very similar to chiropractic, but a little more rough, I'm sure, with those Russians doing it. They, they don't mind pain. But uh, it's really quite interesting. That's where he learned this at. And uh, I cannot tell you how many people would come in with issues, hobbling, couldn't walk, had gout symptoms, knees swollen. And uh, very, very rewarding to me to be able to have the ability to, no matter what joint in the human body somebody was having an issue with, I had skills. I took the time to learn. How can you actually help the entire body as a whole? And uh, my entire chiropractic internship, which was a one-year period, before I graduated and was able to get a license, I was told that uh, I had to have certain amount of adjustments, certain amount of new patients, certain amount of x-rays. And, uh, you know, you have staff doctors that are checking off all that information. Uh, I had one, one patient, my very first patient sent me and referred to me a whole bunch of people that he knew. All of them worked in the same profession and all of them needed knee adjustments. They were all dancers. So they all needed knee adjustments. Knee adjustments actually counted as a, as a chiropractic adjustment. If I just adjusted the knees, it was like the same credit for adjusting the entire spine. My one-year internship, I accomplished all of my goals that I had to achieve to, in order to graduate. I finished all of my requirements in three months because everybody had heard about that I was working with. Every patient that came in with knee problems, ankle problems, elbow problems, they'd come in. And I would adjust them. And then they'd walk right out five minutes later without any pain, go back to their, their uh, vocations and their careers. And then they told everybody they worked with to come over and see me. They all had the same complaints. So I was adjusting a knee. I was adjusting an ankle, a hip. I was adjusting it as fast as I would, way faster than I would the 33 bones of the spine. And every five minutes, I would have these new patients. And uh, 
it was very, very rewarding. And still to this day, everywhere I go, almost every event, including the one I'm at right now in Atlanta, Georgia, someone will come up to me and ask me if I can help them with something. And it's going to be an extremity of some sort, most likely. How about my wrists? How about my elbows? I'd like to know if I was a patient, do you believe the entire body benefits from being adjusted? And how frequently? Oh, here's another. Here's another thought. That's probably important for people around the world. Because this is a very important conversation, Clive. I'm glad you brought it up. How, who are we going to trust beyond this pandemic? I mean, who are you going to trust? You might as well start asking questions. So I would ask uh, your, your chiropractors in your area, your wellness practitioners, I would ask them, how often do you believe someone should be adjusted? If they say anything longer than a month. Well, I, I was, I was going to say once would be the best answer you're looking for. Yep. If they say anything longer than monthly, <laughs> it, it should be at least at a bare minimum monthly. There's no way. Okay, so there's three things that cause misalignments in the spine. Physical trauma, you falling, tripping, working, whatever. Physical trauma, emotional stress, and toxic stress. Well, I want you to tell me how many humans do you know that can avoid all three of those every day, every month. Physical trauma, emotional trauma, or upset, and uh, toxicities in our environment. I mean, go outside and look up in the air, see if you see any white lines in the sky, and you'll know if you're being exposed to toxicities. And yes, you should be adjusted every month. Why? What are the benefits of adjusting the body every month? The human body, when you adjust the spine, has things that run through it. It has actually blood vessels that run through every bone of your neck. So if your neck goes out of alignment, you'll get headaches, you'll get inability to drain lymph, like sinus lymph. You'll, you'll struggle with allergies. You'll struggle with headaches. You'll struggle with pain. There are specifically blood vessels running through the bones of your neck that deliver oxygen and nutrients to your brain. So to keep clarity, cognitive function, and uh, motor function and everything at its astute, you might as well be adjusting the cervical spine, which is your neck at least every month. Uh, the rest of your spine, the thoracic spine, it controls your heart function, your lung function, your pancreatic function your digestive system function, and so does your lumbar spine. So every single organ in your body, its function is determined by the nerves coming from your spine that tell it to work. So when you have any misalignments in your spine, it doesn't matter where it is, to the right, to the left, posterior or forward, that's backwards or forwards, misalignment, a chiropractor can tell you what those things are and can quickly make those adjustments to restore normal communication of your brain back to all the organs that it controls. So to live a disease-free, symptom-free life, with every patient I've ever met with, I've always told them you should be adjusted at least minimally every month. And I've stood by that forever. I do not think every single human on the planet needs to be adjusted five times a week. Some chiropractors will tell you that. Do you, do you believe I have to be adjusted five times a week for the next six months? Most people, that is not true for them. For the majority of them, it could be two adjustments a week to help restore them back to normal function two to three times per week. And people are open to their own interpretation of your diagnosis. But you need to need to find out are those chiropractors individuals who are going to put you through a, in my opinion, to me, it looks like a cattle call. We're just going to adjust someone every one minute and you're going to line them up on tables in a room. My goal was always to give you what you needed. Do no harm. Don't take money I don't need. Don't tell you to come when you don't need to come. Let's keep you in alignment and you and the doctor can work together to determine what's the best time frame for you based on your activities of daily living, 
what your actions and activities are as a hobby, as work, what you do every day, and how it is, and what your job is, and what you're exposed to in life. They could tell you it would probably benefit you to be adjusted every week, or to be adjusted every two weeks, or adjusted every month. But at a bare minimum, we should be working towards being adjusted monthly. So I think it would be important to ask your chiropractor, how often do you think we need to be adjusted? Do you think it's important we're adjusted the rest of our lives? Because there's probably some chiropractors that say, no, we just do workers' comp cases. We just adjust you until you're well and back to work and we don't ever have to see you again. Well, that's not the, that's not the kind of healers or uh, doctors that I'm wanting to oversee the health for me and my family moving forward. But uh, I would be looking for people that uh, are open to doing that and have those viewpoints. Would you sometimes recommend x-rays as an important part of chiropractic? Yeah, this is a great question, actually. I never had an x-ray equipment in my practice, ever. And uh, I had 16,000 patients from 16 different countries, and I never had an x-ray. And I actually made that decision long ago when I was in chiropractic school because of what a radiologist taught me. And so as the, all of us students were sitting there, I think every student didn't hear what he said, but I heard it. And it, and it meant something to me. So I will just tell you, it is very beneficial for a lot of chiropractors to have a visual. I think the benefit of an x-ray is more for the patient than it is for the chiropractor. In fact, I'm a thousand percent convinced it is more important that a patient sees an x-ray than a doctor sees an x-ray. That is not important to the chiropractor. The chiropractor can put his hands on you and feel right through your skin or clothing which bones are out of alignment. They're trained to do that. They know how to do that. And they can tell you exactly what's out of alignment. They don't need an x-ray. But to help educate the patient and show them, look, these don't line up the way they're supposed to. Do you see this bone is out of alignment? It doesn't even line up to the same degree as the one right below it and above it. And then to take time to educate the patients, I think the x-rays are vital in helping to solidify for the patient why chiropractic consideration is important. Uh, because they don't have any idea. They've never seen it before. So I think it's important that they show them that. But for me, when I was in chiropractic school and going through my radiology courses, which was 400 hours worth, which is two times more than any medical doctor gets, it's so incredible what they don't see that chiropractors are trained to see. But uh, it's just based on how much training you get. But I remember listening to a radiologist tell me that 80% of the time, this is in the radiology courses, 80% of the time, the findings on your x-rays will not correlate with your patient's symptoms. And this is not a joke. As mm. soon as I heard as soon as I heard that, I went just like this. Wait a minute. You're telling me whatever bone is out of alignment in the spine on an x-ray, 80% of the time it's not going to correlate to the patient's symptoms. So let me give you an example. Your lumbar spine, the lowest part of your back, the five lowest uh, vertebrae, they actually have nerves that go from them that control your bladder, your uterus, your ovaries, your ability to pee, your bladder, your urethra, your bowels. Now, when I say urethra, that's what you pee from in a male and female. Well, if there's a child and a parent brought me a child and said, my child or daughter, son has enuresis, that means they're peeing in the bed at night. <laughs> they can't stop peeing. So if they have that symptom, and then I took an x-ray, and I saw the x-ray and it showed the family on the x-ray, every single lumbar vertebrae that controls the bladder function and urethra, they would be in perfect alignment, but I would find misalignments in the neck. 
that I could show the patients. And for me, the chiropractor knows this leaving school that 80% of the time, the findings on the x-ray doesn't match your patient's symptoms. The problem for me was if the x-rays don't correlate to the symptoms I'm about to talk to the patient about with the film, to me, it said I had to lie to them. Like, I'm going to have to make up some reason why the findings on the film are correlating to why you need to bring your kid back here or yourself back here for adjustments every week for the next several months to fix the problem. And for me, that was just an ethics thing. I didn't like it. I was like, I don't want to have to be trying to find a way to convince from the film how it is I can draw a conclusion that this bone out of the alignment in your neck is causing your son to have uh, urinary problems at night and not be able to hold it. For me, I just didn't want that. I would rather just sit there and go like this. I'm going to actually do an exam of you. I'm going to actually fill out this chart here of what parts of the body are out of alignment. Then I'm going to show you with a chart what parts of the human body are actually controlled by these areas of the spine that are out of alignment in you. Like if you do the exam first and then bring them the information, it built just as much trust than if I had to show an x-ray. But I do believe the x-rays are beneficial. I just... I think they're more important for the patient 1000% of the time than they are for uh, the actual patient. I mean, for the doctor, the doctor doesn't need that. And then again, if, if your chiropractor deals with insurance, they may want x-rays to be able to help them with appeals with health insurance companies that don't want to pay the bills. So there are, there are diagnostic tools and reports they could turn in to help substantiate. This is why you need to pay me. And why it is you're refusing to pay me, I don't know, but you need to have these things. Those are about the only reasons I think you should have an x-ray machine because x-rays are radiation and x-rays are, they do lead to cancer. So over time, so I just didn't like the idea of being exposed to x-rays 24-7, exposing my patients 24-7 or my employees. I just didn't care to do that. And uh, instead, I decided I was going to educate them on all principles of health, which was chiropractic, dietary, supplementation dietary and detoxification changes uh and and that worked really really well looking at the body as a whole versus just even structurally so so also i I find it important to ask your chiropractor do you sell any supplements or promote them do you encourage detoxing programs do you even sell any herbs minerals vitamins do you have recommendations for those do you know anything about that i personally want a a doctor who actually knows about chiropractic and its benefits who knows or at least has faith and trust in acupuncture principles, which is an all wellness principle. How important is exercise to you, doc? (laughs) I mean, look at your doctors. If you're going to a healthcare practitioner to try to improve your health, you might want to see if they're in good health. And, uh, and I would try to model who it is I'm hiring after what I visibly want to see my life to operate or function as. As healthy as you want to be, you better find somebody who either emulates that health status uh, and then run from those who don't have the same desires to live a healthy life as you do. They can only be as helpful. You have to close the windows because a grass farmer who grows lawn, a lot of people grow lots of lawn and now they're having to cut it down. They're a slave to their lawn. The lawn is (laughs) ruling their lives. (laughs) That's funny. Well, that's all right. I've got a I've got a uh, interview with Dr. Chetty MD out of South Africa here in about 6 minutes. That's going to be very exciting. But, uh, let me ask you one thing. I've uh, uh, Dr. Klinghart Dr. Klinghart 
goes to Germany to have aspheresis done, blood filtering, right? Mm -hmm. I did it a few weeks ago. And the first thing that happened was the medical doctor there uh, using ultrasound, because I've been type 1 diabetic for 38 years on insulin, 38 years type 1, looked at my kidneys and said, your kidneys are perfect. And I thought, that's weird. Then he looked at my pancreas and said, your pancreas is 100% perfect. And I thought, that's weird. And he then said, um, you're not type 1 diabetic, but insulin is the only way I, I've been able to control it. Anyway, um, so what? The, to cut a long story short, I'd like to know what you think. I think what happened was that 38 years ago, I took an antibiotic, which created the type 1 diabetes and other symptoms. And I think that if I'm not type 1 diabetic, then that antibiotic is still working, poisoning me today, 38 years later. Yes, uh, I would not be surprised. Uh, there are many toxins that are actually irreversibly bound to receptors on cells, and that's how they actually publish them. They're irreversible. Now, every time they say that, I actually think there I is hate, a thing I, hate that word. I, I don't run. I, I, I don't either. I was just about to say, every time I read that, I'm always like, okay, you published that, but I don't buy that. But I do believe they know that they can bind toxins, poisons, even venoms to receptor sites in the body that will actually stay there at lengths of up to 10 years minimum. Like they know it will do that. It'll just sit there. It won't even let go unless you put something into it to, to actually dislodge it or change its protein structure so then it actually has no longer the toxicity so yes absolutely there could be some something that damaged the beta cells in your pancreas that produce insulin uh, i will tell you very interestingly i don't know if you've been doing it but as you're talking and saying that this was the result of the findings that your pancreas was 100 percent, i was like wow really is it producing its own insulin now if it is if it is what turned it back on to release whatever poisons you had for years that were keeping your insulin uh, levels down that making you have to inject it right so insulin i will just tell you this i learned this just a few weeks ago and i had no idea i'm doing a presentation at the advanced medicine conference with dr rashid mutar two weeks from now it's all about this actually i'm going to show the entire world at that medical conference that during the pandemic they actually are doing studies on the same venoms we found in covid 19 patients they took the same venoms, conotoxins from cone snails in the oceans, and they took cobra venom and injected into mammals during this pandemic to elicit type 1 diabetes in the animals within a 72-hour period. And then they show you in the publications how they take these now type 1 diabetics and reverse it, just so you know, those venoms cause type 1 diabetes, and then how they reversed it in 72 hours do you want to guess what they used to reverse the type 1 diabetes they just created with venoms to bind to receptors on the cells of the beta cells in the pancreases of all these mammals all they did was inject nicotine and nicotine turned the cells back on and they were no longer type 1 diabetic in 72 hours isn't that wild so they know with physiology they can manipulate our system with poisons toxins venoms and they know there's substances found in nature that will actually dislodge those venoms or toxins to restore the normal function of the cells that are being impeded. This is just one example. So as you were talking, I was like, wow, that's interesting. I was waiting to hear you say, 
I mean, I've been chomping on nicotine gum for the last year before I did this blood this blood thing, and now that all my insulin's better. I'm like, yeah, oh, this no, no, I've tried. I've, unfortunately, I've tried tobacco a lot over the years, and it's <laughs> fortunately not done the job. Yeah, get some ideas specifically about this. How, if it is an antibiotic poisoning, you know, maybe it somehow triggered a switch. I don't, I don't know, but how to get it out? So I've tried all sorts of detoxifications. I've tried fasting. I've tried a number of things over the years. Um, but if you have some good ideas, do let me know. I'll tell you right now. I would attempt to use thirty-five percent food-grade hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, yeah, I've I've got some of that on the shelf. I would do that, and then I would buy the book. If you want to know how to do it, use it appropriately, I would think, for a disease state. There's a book called The One-Minute Cure, yeah, the second edition on Amazon. Yep, follow the recommendation. That, just do that. Have you done it? Not consistently, no. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll, I would, I'll have your suggestion. I will try it. Start with the three drops. Go up to the 25 max a day dosing, and then come back down. This is how you do it. Start on three drops per day per dose. Each day you go up by one drop up to 25 drops in distilled water. Once yeah. you're at 25 drops, you reverse it and go down by a drop every day until you're back down to the three drops per dose. And then you stay there and maintain it. Okay, that's absolutely brilliant. You're, you're awesome. You're brilliant. So right, I'm going to need yeah. to run to this next interview, but it's great to see you, Clive, and I'm very proud of you. Great to see, see you. Uh, likewise, look forward to speaking to you next time. I look forward to it too. Bye-bye. God bless you.